Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Angus Gill won his first golden guitar this year for Bush Ballad of the Year, but I think it's been in the works for a while that he's due a golden guitar because his output is prodigious and it includes his most recent album, The Scrapbook, and he has a new EP of Christmas songs called The Gilly Season, which I'm semi-obsessed with, so we're going to talk about that. Hi, Angus. Hey, Sophie. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I was going to leave this question till later on, but I have to, no, I have to start with it. The very first line on the Gilly season is when you hear Buble in the IGA, that rhyme, I just love it. <laughs> it's like, because it's, it's true for one thing. And also I was just like, who thinks to rhyme Buble with IGA? Anyway, please tell me how Clearly that came about. <laughs> well, that was a bit of an afterthought because I had another line. I think that line originally was, something else i can't remember what it was when you oh i can't i can't remember what it was but the challenge with coming up with a christmas ep was trying not to have too much of an overlap of of subjects and and ideas and um there was another song i wrote on the album called mistletoe um (laughs) that had i think there was there was a similar idea or something in in that 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 was in the opening line of that song. And then I thought of that just as kind of, uh, I thought I'll have to change that opening line to Cheapskate Christmas. And Cheapskate Christmas almost didn't make it on the EP, I thought, because that was another thing. I, I always liked that song, but I was kind of like, oh, it's this similar feel to to um, one of the other songs. So I was trying to kind of uh, find a, a bit of an edge for it in terms of feel too. So um, that, was, that was one of the challenges among many of coming up with a new, kind of fresh Christmas um, EP was trying to not to get too much overlap with with the subjects and and the ideas and kind of the angles as well so um, yeah when you hear when you hear Buble in the IGA <laughs> was kind of something that I was I was sitting up in bed one night and I thought oh yeah that's it okay there we go you know <laughs> well and you talk about that song having an edge another line is she'll give blood to get free cookies and of course the free cookies are to go on the Christmas table and I also heard that and thought oh my god like that it's I could totally it was so vivid it's such a vivid line because you immediately get what it means but it's yeah. it's also yes there's an edge there and I just thought what goes on in Angus Gill's mind that that even comes up as an idea she'll give blood to get free cookies but she won't have a taste and my favorite line she'll be sitting on they'll be sitting on the table on last year's Christmas paper plate <laughs> Very vivid. <laughs> so no, that that idea. There's this um, American TV show called Extreme Cheapskates, and um, I kind of got a, a few of the ideas for this song after watching um, a Christmas episode of Extreme Cheapskates. <laughs> but it's also inspired by my dear Nan, who unfortunately we lost this year. But every time, um, you know, she would come around to our house on Christmas Day with this big sack of gifts. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she doled them out like some warped Mrs. Claus, and and we were just sitting there, we're so excited, you know, we'd be seeing she'd give us all these gifts, and and one by one they'd come out and we'd start to unwrap them, and all you could see on our faces was disappointment, oh, <laughs> you know. 
and I and I was just thinking, oh, surely there'll be a good gift in there, but there never was. You know, it was the biggest <laughs> anti-climax of our lives. <laughs> you know, and she'd always give us like pencils that she'd picked up at the tourist information centre in Caratha or you know, or Chinchilla or you know, some obscure outback town that her and Pop and been through with the caravan in tow, and you know, and, and you know anything else that she'd picked up was just from the the two dollar shop or the or the reject shop or something you know she she went in there just to kind of make up the numbers you know (laughs) she probably thought the pencils were educational doll yeah well she did you know and she used to give me these and it was very cute of her she used to get me these little golden fiddles and she thought they were golden guitars Uh (laughs) because she she always wanted me to get a golden guitar and unfortunately um we lost her in february and so Mm. if the awards went ahead in january she would have seen me get my first golden guitar but uh but it wasn't to be but i'm sure sure wherever she is you know she's uh she she would have been able to see that um amazing moment in you know when it happened so you know she yeah. was looking down very fondly so and of mm. course your album the scrapbook was named for the scrapbook that she kept about you yeah it certainly was you know she was a big part she was my my number one fan um she would uh, she would go around and sell all my cds to all of her friends and associates she even sold cds to a gynecologist so um you know that's saying something <laughs> And she was a real wheeler and dealer, she was. She could sell ice to Eskimos. She could sell dead dogs to a pet store. <laughs> <laughs> well, it clearly worked because you got that golden guitar. She, she helped foster your exactly. career. But also um, the there is a track. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I said golden guitar or golden fiddle. fiddle that's true. <laughs> that's true. But also one of the tracks on the EP is First Christmas Without You, which I imagine is about her. So she's still in your music very much. Yeah, she is. And that, that song was actually um, written a couple of years ago. Actually, it would have been 2020. Um, because we lost my other grandma on oh. the other side of the family, um, Vera, Vera Gill, and, and she was also, um, you know, big fan of my music, and she um, she was a big fan of country music. Actually, I, I grew up um, kind of always raiding her CD collection. You know, Graham Connors and John Williams and Slim Dusty and Alan Jackson and and, uh, and Jim Haynes and. Uh, you know, she she was uh, she was a big fan of country music, so I, mm-hmm. I'm actually very grateful. I, I never would have thought as a kid, you know, seeing a Graham Connors CD or a Jim Haynes CD or John Williamson that I'd get to be able to work with these people or, or be friends with them. So you know, it's amazing what 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 life the journey life takes you on. You know. Well, I think especially when you put in the work and, uh, you know, you have been diligently working towards this since childhood, actually, because, uh, you know, there's a photo I saw of you, I think you're about seven at the microphone with, with, you know, with your guitar and you were performing and clearly to get to that point, you'd already been playing guitar for a long time. So, so yes, you know, these golden guitars, things like that, they don't come from nowhere and you are still very young, but I was serious when I said, it was an inevitability pretty much well as far as I was concerned because you put in the work and you've made all these great connections and you've done it by honouring uh, the work of people who have come before you and not in a way like, oh, well, you're an older artist <laughs> kind of thing. I can maybe you have something to teach me. You actually genuinely esteem so many different artists and I think we see that in the number of different artists that want to work with you. Yeah, I, I just 
think I, I it all stems from the love of what I do. I'm so passionate about what I do, um, from from the songwriting to the production to the live performance and the entertaining. I love entertaining people. I, I love watching their faces, you know, and and kind of taking them on a on a ride, you know, mm-hmm. you know the show. Make them laugh, make them cry, make them think, scare the hell out of them, go <laughs> home, like Dolly Barton used to say. Um, so it, it's all just come from from the deep the deep love of music and the deep love of what I do and. And anything else is is a bonus, but you know it's it's the love of what I do that 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 encourages me to work hard mm-hmm. um, and, and to keep chipping away. And and I realised, and this Christmas EP really, uh, I was kind of umming and ahhing. I, I didn't know whether I was going to do it this year. I'd, I'd written the songs during COVID, um, a lot of them, and uh, and I thought, oh, you know, it'd be great to try and write a, a fresh you know, mm-hmm. Christmas EP because you don't hear a lot of new Christmas songs or you, you certainly don't hear a lot of new Christmas songs that have, have got interesting ideas or, or kind of interesting angles um, from from what, you know, the, the typical kind of thousands upon thousands of Christmas songs are, mm-hmm. are about, you know, and they're all about, you know, come here, baby, and, and cuddle with me by the fire, you, you know, by the rather roasted chest, chestnuts and shit, you know, like that's that's the premise of almost every Christmas song, you know, yeah. but you don't don't hear Christmas songs like Cheapskate Christmas and Mistletoe and Don't Get Your Pencil in a Tangle. And even First Christmas Without You, I thought that was an interesting idea. Um, and I noticed, you know, a lot of these titles um, I've not seen written before. But First mm-hmm. Christmas Without You, I've Googled that. Like, titles aren't copyrighted. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Googled that to see if someone, someone of course, has written a song about that. But it, it's all about the angle and the attack that you actually – and the idea. I always say a song is only as good as its idea. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and that idea came from me walking outside. Um, I was on the way to the gym and it was pouring down rain because it was in the middle of La Nina in December. December of 2020 and I remember looking over at my grandma's garden where a little plaque is and I thought oh this will be a, a first Christmas without you and and then I was like oh wait a minute hold the phone <laughs> and and I, I wrote I wrote the chorus to the song there and I think I wrote the rest of it in the gym, in between reps, you know, right. I, it just kept kind of flowing out of me, and and um, and I, I'm quite a fickle editor, and so over time I've kind of edited things, and and uh, I, I suppose I, I tend to the the initial thoughts of of my ideas can sometimes be a little on the clever side, and and, and then you've got to kind of get it to the point from being clever to conversational to something that you would say in a sentence, and so right. it, it's that process of I'm always obsessing over just words and, and syllables and where I'm placing the stress um, on a, where placing the, the downbeat on, on the important words. And so I, I spend hours kind of mulling that over in my little brain while I'm, you know, on the way into, into getting a sleep or, you know, or in the gym or out on a walk or, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of kind of, it's a series of very little steps mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of work work up in, into um, into becoming a whole song, I find. So when you say you're editing it, are you you're editing it as you go? So just for, exa- for example, the song you write in the gym, as you were, you obviously weren't there recording it because you were, it was between reps and, and, you know, there are other people around. So does that mean you were kind of going through it in your mind and editing as you went so that by, by the time you got home, you actually had refined it already? So I, I was kind of, because I tend to, my process tends to be, particularly when I write songs on my own, I, I almost tend to write a, a lyric before I even 
pick up a, an instrument and, right. and start kind of working something out. I have an idea of how it's going to sing and how it's going to phrase and what, what the feel is, but I uh, I kind of don't do that until afterwards. Um, and, and I was in the gym, I was just jotting things down on my phone and it was starting to take shape. Um, yeah, so so that was kind of how that, that one came about. But I, I always find Eric, Eric McCusker and I have been working together um, a, a bit and he often quotes Steve Martin who says, precision creates movement. Right. And, and, uh, and and so I, I kind of believe that uh, because a song's got to sound, uh, sometimes it takes a lot of work to make something sound effortless uh, and kind of just rolling off the, the tongue. And, and I find sometimes you'll, you'll have an initial thought or initial draft of the idea and then it, it'll take, it'll be, you know, these, you know, tiny kind of movements chipping away at this um, and then, then you get the final song. And you were saying that you refine the lyrics from, you know, starting out as clever, taking it through to conversational. Is that because you're mindful of the audience and wanting it to be accessible and you don't want to have a play on words be too obscure? For yeah, well, I, I think I think a clever line shouldn't draw attention to itself. Right. So it shouldn't take away. It, it should it should still be something that someone would say. It, it, mm. it can't be too, but but it has to kind of have like I find songs and and lines and ideas they've they've got to have an edge to them too. So if you sanitize them too much, you just you just lose any kind of appeal that that original idea has so you've got to be careful of that too and sometimes you can go too far and kind of go uh, I think where I was originally was was where it needed to be and so sometimes you've got to go through this whole process only to end up back to where you were anyway you know and that's part of it too so there's there's just there's a it's it's very much like you know my brain is is kind of like a you know computer program there's there's so many little kind of steps <laughs> that i find in, involved in that songwriting process but it's all such a worthwhile thing to go through to get that end song you know well I particularly really when we get songs like Sorry, I talked over the top Sorry, of you. No, that's uh, because I, I really take pride in what I do, and and pride as a, a lyricist and, and songwriter, and and it's just you know, it's it's what Eric and I have been doing, you know, throughout the process of working with him as well. Well, and it shows in these songs on the Gilly Season because um, they 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 are clever, but without being obscure in, yeah. in their cleverness, and and cleverness can be sometimes obscure. And because I do want to keep bringing it back to the EP Angus, because we are here to talk about it. So I do need to ask you, how do you feel about Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You"? Oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever listened to that song properly, apart from ever being in in Woolworths or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't really comment too much on that, but you know, I I tend to like things that are a little bit outside of the square, and I, I often play my good mate Kevin Bloody Wilson <laughs> over Christmas, and I I um I listen to a, a Bob Dylan Christmas album um because it, it irritates my family members so <laughs> i love playing that one I, i've just got um paul kelly raves about phil specter's uh, christmas album and i just got a copy of that um on vinyl so i'm looking forward to having a listen to that myself um and hearing the the, the wall of sound with with christmas tunes <laughs> with christmas tunes um and to talk about some other songs on the ep so um you know we've talked about chief's Gate christmas now mistletoe you've mentioned and that that is a nice little play on toey in a couple of different senses and yeah, perhaps yeah. perhaps should be the office party anthem 
for 2022? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one was a blast. I wrote that with a friend of mine called Randy Brooks, who wrote the big Christmas hit, uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, <laughs> which I've always loved because it's quite bent. But um, it's, uh, it's a song that, you know, people are familiar with it over here, but it's a huge hit over in America and it gets right. featured in Seinfeld and Simpsons and, you know, and it's merchandised, you know, in mm. Hallmark cards and everything you know it's 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 really been such a big success but that that song come out in the late 70s and, and so quite a, a macabre kind of dark comedy christmas song would have been something pretty radical at that time <laughs> um but i i kind of got together with with randy i had that title mistletoe i just written i often tend to write songs from a title because it's a really kind of this there's often the, the the dna of a of a cool idea contained within a title and you've just kind of got to crack it open and mm-hmm. actually see what's there if there's if there's enough kind of you know substance in in the idea to to warrant becoming a whole song mm-hmm. and i had that idea of mistletoe uh, and I just kind of threw it out to Randy, and he didn't really know what what the word "toey" means mm-hmm. because obviously there's there's two um, meanings to the word "toey." Being a bit over it, being a bit you know a bit mistletoey. Mm. I'm I'm kind of done with this. Um, if a small child is toey, they're ready to go home from yes. the party. You know, <laughs> I remember Mum used to say, "Oh, we've got to go home, Dad." You know. Angus is getting a bit toey, you know. <laughs> but, but then there's also the um, the other meaning of, of being the amorous a, version, yes. <laughs> you know, playful and and, <laughs> and 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 wanting to be, you know, you know where I'm heading. Yes. <laughs> that's so, why i'm saying it could be an office party anthem yeah exactly so it, it kind of starts with this with the protagonist in this song being a little bit over christmas and then eventually when zoe comes knocking on the door you know in her in her elf suit um that his mood changes you know yes. and becomes the other meaning of toey so and, well and her name helpfully rhymes with toey yeah and, and and very cleverly too um we also have a bottle of moe which is one yeah, of that's Look, I actually meant to raise that because I thought, well done. You know, you've managed to get a celebratory drink in there too. Yeah, we, we almost, we used up all of the applicable rhymes for Zoe, Toey, Moey. Um, <laughs> Randy even had um, a suggestion for a line in there, um, the light's a little more glowy. And, of oh. course, glowy's not actually a word, but yeah. he's found, you know, he's written a lot of novelty-type songs and one of his favourite things to do is come up with his own, with his own words, um, <laughs> kind of coining his own words in songs. And so one of my favourite examples of this is in a Roger Miller song where he goes, roses are red, violets are purple, sugar is sweet and so is maple circle. <laughs> I just hear that and I go, it's great. You know, so we've got their own version of that and and there's also a bit of scatting in this song and that's kind yeah. of you know been a way for me to release my inner roger miller as well <laughs> and now another song is don't get your tinsel in a tangle and i was thinking why has that phrase not been used before it's actually very handy when you want to say to someone don't get your tinsel in a tangle yeah. the person who's tinsel in a tangle with you on this song is melinda schneider so how did that come about um that song i wrote with my my good friends bill de luigi and kirsty manor and we've written a lot of things together um and every time we write something it's always a little different always a little bit left of center and and kind of cool like we we always just effortlessly gel 
and um, we wrote this song as a male and female duet and I could just picture Melinda doing this one with me. Um, it just, I've always loved her, her voice and I've, I've been a fan of her music ever since I was a kid. And, um, and so, you know, the fact that she agreed to, to sing it with me, I was, I was really honoured and she really loved the song and it was, it's been wonderful working with her on this. Yeah, and it, and it works very, very well. Now, the last song to mention is Present Time, which is, I imagine, the companion piece to Cheapskate Christmas you were referring to earlier um, because yeah. there is some Cheapskate gift-giving in Present Time, including the mention of an avocado. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like Pixie Jenkins had a great time doing the character voices oh, on this. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, Pixie was a big was a big part um, of, of the John Williamson um, family album, Um you know, you hear songs like Camel Train to Yamba, uh, and there's all the voices, you know, when they're, when they're on the kind of gravel road. And, and Pixie was doing a lot of those voices. And of course, Pixie and I have been touring together um, for a lot of this year. And so I, I said, oh, Pix, would you just be able to put some put some voices down and just see what you come up with, you know, because he just comes up with these things. And I thought, <laughs> all right. Um, and he sent me some amazing, you know, things. I, I was just like, oh, I wish we could use that in the song. But, ah. <laughs> kind of can't it's a little rude but but uh, trying to because he 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 talked all the way there was bits all the way through this song and so the challenge for, for me was to kind of cut it down into uh, into kind of just so that there was enough in there but it also had to kind of continue throughout the song otherwise if it was only kind of in certain spots it would seem a bit kind of random so but yeah I was so glad to get him on on that um pixie um Stewie French and I actually wrote that song about seven years ago and right. it's been lying around and I kind of bring it out each Christmas um, at some of the Christmas shows I do and uh, and I've always wanted to kind of record it so it was great to be able to have Stewie played on on that obviously and, and on all of the other songs too. So, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Just excuse me a second. My dog is playing with a toy and it's annoying the crap out of me. <laughs> okay. Oh, poodles are the best dogs. This is Lucy. <laughs> she was playing with her octopus toy and it was annoying the crap out of me. So, <laughs> Well, now she can answer some questions with you yeah. or about you. Who knows? <laughs> um, so you mentioned you, you had been doing Christmas shows in the past. Is that why you thought a Christmas EP would be a great idea because you were doing those shows? You thought, you know, it would be good to have my own material here. Yeah, I've always wanted to do my own Christmas um, project, you know, and it really is a challenge to come up with ideas because, you know, Christmas songs have been done time and time and time again. And so I was kind of just thought, okay, let's let's just try it and see what we come up with. And I was, I virtually started by just writing a whole list of titles and ideas down and then one by one kind of cracking them open and going, oh, yeah, there might be something in this. And then that's that's kind of how it took shape. And, and I, I wanted to do a bit of a lighthearted, almost borderline comedy because I have written comedy songs and I wouldn't class these songs as comedy songs because they're a slightly different form. They're more kind of novelty songs, but there are, there are kind of chuckle lines in in some of the songs too, but um, but I yeah just wanted um, some some songs that um, had a bit of an Aussie flavour, but didn't kind of hit you over the head with the Santa on the surfboard and all of that. Songs that because that that was the hard thing too. I, I was writing some of these songs with friends of mine that live in America, and um, one of them offered up a. a 
an idea for a song called something like the silly sweater season or something for, <laughs> for an idea. And, and I was like, Oh yeah, that's good. But we actually don't wear sweaters in December. Yeah. Uh, Chris is, so there was, there was some things. That, and even when Randy Brooks and I wrote mistletoe, I kind of had to explain to him the other meaning of that word, because it's not really a word that, that mm-hmm. they kind of use. So, um, so it, it was, it was kind of fun, you know, navigating, trying to be a little bit neutral um, mm-hmm. with with some of the Christmas ideas too. But I, I just kind of wanted to capture what my Christmas upbringing was like. And that's right. the point of difference, you know. And I always say as a songwriter, your, your point of difference is your own worldview and your own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, you know, there's often other people that, that have those ex- those experiences too and and so by being specific you can be quite universal um because yeah. people go oh that's me as well you know so a, a recent example there's a, a line in first christmas without you called um the parson's nose will have to go to the dogs <laughs> um because and it was it was putting a bit of humor into into a poignant quite a sad song mm. Um, but I just recently had a, a lady, Kaz Johnson, review um, the album and she said that, you know, that was the same. We we felt that too because mm-hmm. when when my grandma passed, we chucked the parson's nose to the dog because she was the only one that ate the parson's nose. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's it's just an example of, um, you know, using that using that specific to to get to the universal. So, so that's what I was trying to do, drawing on my own experiences. And Christmas to me was always, oh, my present's bigger than yours and yours <laughs> is bigger than mine. And, and, and how come I got a, you know, I, I wanted a guitar, but you got me a pair of PJs, you know. Yeah. Like, so, and an avocado. Yeah, and an avocado. Thanks, Pixie. So you know, I was trying to capture that um, that that gamut of emotions. You know, the, the fun, the squabbling, the the pathos, um, the, the the stress. Um, you know, all of those emotions that Christmas brings. You know, within these songs. And I think you do that very successfully. So I do hope people have it playing on their their Christmas playlists or just uh, on their stereo on Christmas day, but to move away from um, the Gilly season and just to talk about some of your other work recently, you produced, produced TC Cassidy's album traveling heart. And you were actually the whole reason why the album existed. Cause she told me the story about how you came up to her in the gym one day and basically said you're TC Cassidy. And then you said to her later, you need to make some new music. So that must've been hugely gratifying to see all of that come together. Yeah, it really is. And I actually saw her, how it came about, I saw her at, at a Johnny Cash um, concert, you know, Daniel Thompson's Johnny Cash show at the Glasshouse. And I said, so what have you been up to? She said, oh, I'm really trying to write some some songs, get back into songwriting, but I kind of don't know where to start. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a little stuck. And I said, oh, I'll write something with you, you know. And, and she's like, really, would you? And then um, I actually I come up with the idea for the first single, Ain't Too Late to Start Again. I, I wrote the chorus in the shower and, uh, <laughs> and I sent her a text and I said, oh, I think I've got an idea for a song which would be a good comeback single for you. And that's kind of how it how it started. It was more I kind of got that idea and I thought, oh, this could be something TC could could do. And I was excited about bringing TC, the, the prospect of bringing TC Cassidy back because I used to have a, a radio show that I did locally when I was 14. I started doing that and I, I used to play her songs so um and then I kind of put two and two together when I when I saw her at the gym and I I, I knew 
you know, I, I knew her from, you know, being around in Port Macquarie. And so, yeah, that, that was how that, that project came to be. And I'm very proud of her. Like it's a, it's a very daunting task, you know, 30 years later mm. to, to go, hey, I'm going to do a comeback and yeah. and put out a whole album. But it was a wonderful process um, working with her on those, writing the songs. Uh, I wrote a couple with her and then the rest I, I wrote two on my own and um, and a few with, with some of my uh, usual usual collaborators, <laughs> uh, my, my long-suffering collaborators. So, so it, it, was, it was great to be able to um, capture who she is and, and kind of uh, I'd pick up on different things that she'd say and things that she'd tell me about her life mm. and, and put that in, into the songs because I thought well, we, we could have just chosen from a, a pool of all of these random songs and, and chosen from that, but I thought, no, I really would like to she's the one selling the songs the songs need to virtually capture who she is mm-hmm. so, yeah that's how we we come about with that and, and they do sound very much like they're from her heart uh, imagine her. um but also angus in about two minutes time you're going to be in complete darkness because <laughs> it's the lights no that's okay i'll just let you go anyway because i've had you talking for quite a while but i will say people can see you and pixie jenkins at the tamworth country music festival if they would like to Here's some of the uh, that were edited out of the Gilly season. Maybe Pixie can oblige <laughs> some of the rude bits, as you said. <laughs> but in the meantime, um, yeah, it's a terrific EP. I'm so enjoying it. And uh, it's we're talking in mid-November and it's a bit earlier than I would usually listen to festive music, but you've got me in the festive spirit. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate that. I, I, it's been a blast. And, uh, yeah, Pixie and I will be at Tamworth. We've got our only festival show on the Monday, uh, the 16th at 3 p.m. at the Tamworth Services Club. So tickets are on sale for that now. And, uh, yeah, we can't we can't wait. We're going to have... Uh, going to have our usual Christmas here. We always have quite a small gathering because, uh, you, you know, like a lot of families have, have a large gathering and I get quite envious, but, but we mm. do things differently. We have quite a small family gathering because most of them are dead. So, uh, well, you've had a rough couple of years. With, through, you know? Yeah, you've had a rough couple of years losing grandmas. So I, I hope yeah. your own songs can can provide some entertainment on christmas day we've got grandpa he'll be coming around he he's our only hope now to get a telegram oh. from prince charles so he's got to hang in there you know he's got to make the hundred now well, you know? that's that it, maybe you could write a song about that when it happens too it is. <laughs> well i guess it's been so good to talk to you no doubt i will talk to you again at some stage you too sophie it's been a blast thanks <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.